want to welcome you guys that are here live and especially all of the folks that are watching online and our friends in the Dominican Republic. We see you. Not really, but uh, we know you see us. Clearly, that was a testimony to the, just the, the reach of, of what we're doing and how it can make a difference and how God is working. So I'm so excited about that. Hey, uh, for two months, we spent um, time together just really discovering what is God's will for us and talking about that. And um, two weeks ago, we started to look at the Holy Spirit's role in that and who he is. And then what does it mean to quench the Spirit? What does it mean to quench the Spirit? And so this morning, what we're going to look at is one of those examples of how we can quench the Spirit and why we don't want to do that. Okay, so we're going to look at it in its proper context. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 22 together. It's page 1171. If you have a church Bible you want to follow along, uh, please do that. So here's how it begins. It begins, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil reject every kind of evil. So um, what is one way that we can quench the Spirit? Well, one way that we quench the Spirit is we reject prophecies. We, we hold them in contempt. So what is prophecy? What is prophecy? It, so just a generic definition is, is this, uh, a message that has been communicated to a person by a supernatural entity. So a prophecy is a message that has been communicated to a person by a supernatural entity. Now, if, if you've ever read the Bible, if you're familiar with it at all, we see a lot of prophecies there, especially in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is that period of time from the beginning of creation all the way up to the time of Jesus' coming to earth, all right, in, in the form of a little baby, right? And so... Um, we see all these different prophecies there, and um, most of them are, are pointing to our need for a Savior. Um, a lot of these folks that are delivering these prophecies are known as prophets, right? And, and so they are um, folks that are just divinely gifted by God, that God will speak through them. And we find out if you read through the Old Testament that these, these prophets weren't very popular people. All right, you didn't really aspire to be a prophet because that may lead to your death. So um, people don't like, back then and even today, right, we don't like to be told what we're doing is wrong. We don't like to be corrected. We don't want to be told to do this and not do that. And we get a little uncomfortable. Our, our pride sort of wells up against this idea that we need a Savior, that we need a Savior. And so we tend to rebel against prophets and prophecies. And what we see happening here is, is now um, there's been a change that, that Jesus has come and he has fulfilled pretty much all the prophecies of the Old Testament that were pointing towards this promised Savior, this Messiah, if you will. And now um, we see prophecy in a, in a little bit different form. We, we see, um, thanks for the interlude there. The, um, so what we see is, is really... Um, 
not just being about a few select people that God has chosen, but that prophecy is meant for the masses. It's meant for the masses. Listen to this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. So this is in the New Testament. This is after Jesus has come and he lived, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended back to heaven. And this is the beginning stages of the early church. And the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to one of the churches. And he begins this way. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. And now... He's not speaking to, you know, a convention of prophets. He's not writing a letter just to prophets. He's writing a letter to the church of his day. It's a letter that's not, not meant only for them, but it's meant for us today as well. It's a timeless letter. And it's saying that we should desire this gift of prophecy. Now, um, he goes on and, and he starts comparing it to the gift of speaking in tongues, which is, is one of these miraculous gifts. And he says this, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now listen to verse 3. It says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And then he goes on in, in verse 39, he reiterates just how we should all desire to prophesy. It, it's a gift of the Spirit, and it's a gift that all can have and all should desire. So why is it? Why is it that God wants us to prophesy? Each and every one of us, he wants us to prophesy. Well, because he wants his people to be strengthened, to be encouraged, and to be comforted. Is there anybody here that, that couldn't use a little strengthening? Is there anybody here that couldn't use a little more encouragement? Is there anybody here that couldn't use a little more comfort? I would guess not. We could all use more strengthening, more encouragement, more comfort. And that's God's desire. That's his will for us. He wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to be comforted. And the way he does that is through his spirit who dwells now within each and every follower of Jesus Christ. And so it's this work of the spirit in his people, through his people, for his people. That's why he says, I want every one of you guys to prophesy to prophesy. I want each and every one of you to be an encourager, a strengthener, a comforter of others. That's why God thinks this is so important. And, and sometimes we, we get a little uncomfortable with this idea of prophecy. Again, it's been somewhat confused with future telling and, and all of that, and that all seems pretty weird, and, and that's not what God's up to here. Again, he's all about strengthening and encouraging and comforting his people through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through his people. Um, this is how I like to explain it. So probably most, if not all, the people that are here today or watching online as well, I would say most of us, if not all of us, believe that we can talk to God, right? I mean, that's what we call prayer, isn't it? And it's just simply us talking to God. Is there anybody that doesn't believe that? If not, if you don't believe it, just talk to me later. All right, we'll, we'll work through that. But I believe that most of us, if not all of us, believe we can talk to God. Fair enough? And I believe that most of us, if not all of us, believe that we can hear from God. 
that he will actually talk to us. Now, that may be in an audible voice, but for most of us, we've never heard the audible voice of God. For, for most of us, he may speak to us with, with an impression, right? He may place an impression on your heart or on your mind. Um, for some of us, it may be that we, we open up the Bible or, or somebody, you know, maybe even like myself, is opening up the Bible for you and, and speaking and teaching about it. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like it's just for you. Have you experienced that? Like God is speaking to you through his word. Or maybe it's like when we're singing these songs of praise and you feel like God is just speaking directly to you. He has a message for you. I think most, if not all of us, believe that God speaks to us or at the very least that he can. Now, would it be that far-fetched to think that God could speak to us on behalf of somebody else, that he would speak to us and give us a word of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort for somebody else? Is that too far of a reach? I don't think so. Well, that's prophecy. That's prophecy. That's not weird, is it? Isn't that something that we should be excited about, that we would want to embrace and share? And I think that's what God's saying. I wish all of you would desire this gift of prophecy. I, I have it available to each and every one of you. Now, um, again, he says, do not quench the spirit. This is verse 19. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And so here's the danger of it, that sometimes something may be presented as a word from God, so to speak, as a prophecy, but a lot of times they wouldn't use that term. They may share some advice or say, you know, I believe God is telling me to tell you, and it may or may not be from God. So we've got to test it. We've got to test it. How do we test prophecy? Well, there, there's four steps that, that come to my mind, and, and here they are. The first step would be to ask this question. Does it agree with the teaching of the Bible? Does it agree with the teaching of the Bible? Step number one. Step number two. Is it in keeping with the revealed nature of God? Is it in keeping with the revealed nature of God? Step three. Do other mature followers of Jesus believe it is from God? Do other mature followers of Jesus believe it is from God? And then finally, step four, do you have confirmation? Do you have confirmation from the Holy Spirit within you that this is from God? Do you have that confirmation from the Holy Spirit that this is from God? So how does that play out? Well, again, begin. You have an impression. You're given a word. You have this sense. Ask the question, does it agree with the teaching of the Bible? So what we have in the Bible is an incredible gift. This is God's revealed will for all of us. This is God's revealed will for all of us. And so it is critically important that we know it because this is the primary way that we're going to test whether a word or an impression or some advice is from God or not. You have to know the Word of God, and you need to be able to know it from beginning to end. 
It's called systematic theology. Systematic theology. That you look at God's word from beginning to end. You don't just take one piece out of context. And um, so I've taken in seminary uh, systematic theology one, two, and three. And I mean, I had to study these big old books, but I'll be honest with you, the one that I found the most beneficial is, is this one. It's called Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. I think every one of us should have this book, okay? You can write it down. Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. It's a condensed version of systematic theology. So you can look up like a question or an issue in here, and he will comprise all of Scripture and help you to understand what God's will, what his position is on any, pretty much any subject matter. And in, again, this is in an abbreviated, it's a very user-friendly um, format. I really love it and recommend it to everybody. This one looks pretty worn, doesn't it? Looks like I've used it a lot, doesn't it? I have used it a good amount, but um, to be honest, I was in the DR and I was coming back after teaching some pastors there about this, this book and what systematic theology was all about. And I had this book in my luggage, in my check bag, and I also had a bottle of um, rum in there. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't for me, it was a gift for somebody else. You know, I don't even like rum, but the bottle broke. And uh, fortunately, my Bible doctrine soaked up an entire fifth of rum. So it's it's quite special to me now, but the, uh, <laughs> just a thought if you wanted to engage in something like that. But, um, but it's important. So if, if you have this impression, you have this word of God, this prophecy, you need to test it. And you need to test it against the Bible. This is critical. For instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of people believe Muslims and Christians believe in the same God, that we all worship the same God, we just worship in a different way. But that can't be true. You know why? Because one of the, the primary things that they believe is that God, their God, says that they should kill the infidel. They should kill the unbeliever. Well, if you've read the Bible, you know the Bible does not say that at all. In fact, what does the Bible say? That you're supposed to love them. That you're to love the unbeliever. You're supposed to love your enemies. So what they are saying cannot be true of God. We test it against Scripture. Whatever God they're worshiping is not the same God that we worship. Okay, it's critical that you know the Word of God and that you test everything against it. Um, let me give you the second one. So let's assume that, that everything checks out. It doesn't appear to go against the word of God. Ask this question. Is it in keeping with the revealed nature of God? So is what you're receiving, what you're hearing, is it in keeping with the revealed nature of God? And this is what I know from studying the scriptures from beginning to end. This is the revealed nature of God. That God is a God of reconciliation. God is a God of restoration, and God is a God of redemption. God loves to reconcile people to each other and ultimately to himself. He's a God of reconciliation. He loves to restore broken relationships. He loves to redeem things that appear to have been lost. That's the nature of God. And so test whatever you have received 
against that? Is it in compliance? Is it in accord with the revealed nature of God? If not, toss it out. Toss it out. But if you can check that box as well, then move on to the third step. And, and this is it. Do other mature followers of Jesus believe it's from God? Do other mature believers in Jesus believe it's from God? This is this idea of seeking wise counsel. Seeking wise counsel. There are numerous proverbs in the Bible and other passages throughout the Bible that speak to the benefits of seeking wise counsel. Um, we see it um, throughout Scripture. If, if you're not sure where in Scripture you can find that, you can get a concordance. Now, an unabridged concordance is an exhaustive concordance is super thick, like a Strong's concordance. It's a big old book. Fortunately, all that stuff's online now. You can just go online and use um, some Bible study skills and tools there. And all you do is you, you look for this one word, whatever the word may be. Maybe it's wise. Maybe it's counsel. And you find that in your concordance. And it'll tell you everywhere in the Bible where that word is mentioned. It's really helpful. Some of you guys have study Bibles, right? You can go to the back and you have an abridged version of a concordance. So it has a lot of the main words that people might be searching for. You can use that. Or um, guess what? You can just Google it. Like, like just Google like wise counsel scriptures and you'll find like a bunch of them will just pop up. It, it's really super easy. So you can go and you can study those and, and um, it's, it's great. So um, that's important. So you, you seek some wise counsel from some other people. So go to some folks that um, you believe are, are pretty mature in their faith and knowledge of the word and, and you can present what you've heard to them and, and ask them to give their thoughts. Do you believe this is of God or not? Seek wise counsel. But let me caution you. Just because one of those people says yes or no, you're not off the hook. You still have the responsibility to discern whether or not that word is of God and whether or not it's for you. You still have that responsibility. I'll give you an example from my own life. So 25 years ago... Um, we were forced to grapple with this decision, should we leave the business world and go to work for the church, and specifically Church of the Holy Spirit in Southwest County. And we were torn. Um, our hearts were, were giving us mixed messages. Our, our minds, our logic, our reason were giving us mixed messages. We weren't sure what the will of God was in this situation. And um, I... All I wanted was just to be at the center of God's will. I, that's my desire in life. Like, I just want to do whatever God wants me to do because I find that's the safest, best place to be, even if it's kind of scary. And so I'm trying to figure this out. And uh, we go, um, we were living in Pittsburgh at the time, came back to Roanoke and had an interview. And after that interview, I distinctly remember this was at Church of the Holy Spirit walking down the hallway because I need to go to the restroom. And uh, that's how... I remember it. And so I'm, I'm heading down the hallway, and then this, this woman from the church, she was a, a godly woman. She was um, 
primary teacher of Bible study. She was an esteemed leader. I just respected her so much. And she was coming down the hallway as I was approaching, and she had this big smile on her face. And, and as she came up to me, she just said, Scott, and she gave me this big old hug and, and just made me feel so good and so welcome. And then she sort of stepped back, and she looked at me, and then, then her, her countenance kind of changed, and she got really serious. And she said, Scott, you're not really considering taking this job, are you? She said, you've got a young family to provide for. Carolyn's pregnant with your fourth child. I, I think it would be irresponsible, be irresponsible of you to uh, leave your career and come to work for the church. And, and I just sat there sort of dumbfounded. Like I was speechless. I didn't know how to respond. And then she kind of smiled and gave me a little hug and off she went. Was what she was saying of God or was it not? I had to figure that out. And, and what I was hearing sounded a lot more like worldly advice than it did godly advice. But it was on me to discern that. And I shared it with some other people and got their feedback, some other godly Christians. And yet I still had to discern, discern whether this was of God or not. Which leads me to my last point. Um, in the end, we're responsible. You have to ask the question, do you have confirmation? Do you have confirmation from the Holy Spirit within you that this is from God? So if you want to know if something is from God, like a word, a prophecy is from God, you know who I think is the best person to ask? God. Like, just go directly to the source. So if you are a devoted follower of Jesus, guess what? You have his spirit living within you. So why wouldn't you seek the counsel of the mighty counselor, the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you say, okay, God, I'm hearing this. Is that true? Can you reveal whether or not this is of you or not? And the Holy Spirit can do that, and he will do that for you. I have found in my life the way he does that is he gives me that sense of peace, which transcends all understanding. The sense of peace that transcends all understanding. That's how he confirms whether something is or is not of God. He does that for me. I believe he does that for you as well. And I suggest that you seek him out and seek his peace. And when you have it, it's so sweet. And then you have the confidence to go if he says go or to stay if he says stay. But follow that peace. Follow his peace. If you want to know if something's of God, ask the Spirit of God, and I believe he will reveal that to you. But again, you've got to discern. You have to discern that. And so this is why we've been talking about in, in the weeks past why it's so important to be prayerful people. We really need to learn what it is to pray not just how to talk to God, to tell God what we want, but to listen to God, to be able to discern when God is speaking and when he's not. And I believe he confirms it most often through these things we call the fruit of the Spirit and primarily through peace, through peace. So do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject all kinds of evil. Reject all kinds of evil. Now, 
Isn't it encouraging, again, to think about that God's will, his desire for each and every one of us is for us to be strengthened, to be encouraged, and to be comforted. And, and the primary way that he does that is through his spirit, working in and through his people. And that um, he wants to use you and he wants to use me to strengthen and encourage and comfort those around us. Isn't that amazing? And, and I believe, just as Dio was saying, I believe God's doing a new thing. And I believe he's bringing us maybe out of our, our stoic kind of, um, you know, environment. And, and he wants us to break out of our shells and, and to be more responsive, that we would be listening to his prompting. That, that I believe right, right now, in fact, I believe God's giving a word of prophecy, if you will, a word of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort to some of you right here and right now, or some of you watching online right here and right now. I, I believe you have a word to strengthen, encourage, and comfort somebody else right now. The question is, will you do it? Will, will you go to them humbly and, and courageously and share this? Because you may not understand it, and it may make you incredibly uncomfortable, but what a shame if God is speaking a word through you to benefit somebody else, and you don't do it. You don't do it. How might you lose a blessing? And more importantly, how might they lose a blessing? I, I'm going to share this example that happened to me just recently. So at the end of uh, July, beginning of August, I, I was having some weird physical issues going on in my body. It started, it, it seemed, um, with my right foot. And I don't know if I got stung or bitten or something, but something happened to my foot to the point where it just started swelling up. And it wasn't painful, but it was just swelling up and turning black. And some of you actually here saw it and were like, you, you need to do something about that. Like, that is not right. It's not normal. And I thought, oh, it'll be fine, you know. And uh, so then it got even worse. And somebody said, you need to go to the emergency room, like right now. And I was like, no, no, that seems a little extreme. And uh, I don't really have time for that. And so I did at least call and, and get an appointment with the doctor. So I go to see the doctor, and the doctor's a bit perplexed, going, you know, you don't have a fever, it's not hot, doesn't seem to be an infection, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, went through a number of different things, and, and then she said, well, just take some Benadryl, because it looks like maybe it's an allergic reaction of some sort. Try that, and hopefully that'll work. If not, you know, let me know. So anyhow, I do that, and... Um, it doesn't seem to really work, although the swelling starts going, my, all the skin peels off my foot. It's, it's just really nasty, to be honest. And so uh, um, I'm uncomfortable. Then I'm starting to have some other issues, which I'm not going to go into. And, and then um, it's August 14th. It's Sunday morning, and, you know, it's at the end of the first service. I'm out there saying goodbye to everybody. And Ellie Hammer... Um, says to me, she said, is something wrong with you? I'm like, what? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, and she's like, like you, something doesn't seem right with you. I said, well, I've had some different physical issues. And she's like, okay. And uh, so she goes home and go through the second service. So I get done the second service and I go back to my office and, and I pick up my phone because I don't keep my phone with me during church. And um, there's a text from her. And this is what it said. 
It said, okay, I, I can't kick the feeling. You should go get a full panel of blood work done and have your white blood cell count tested also. I have zero medical background. Zero medical background. And I don't know where this is coming from, but I can't kick this feeling. And it was all I could do to wait until the second service was over to text you this. The feeling just keeps pushing me harder and harder to tell you this. And so I read this, I'm like, dang. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, is that of God or, or just Ellie being like, like, Ellie? You know, like, I don't... Like, what is that? And, and so I just start praying. I'm like, God, is this, is this of you? Like, am I supposed to go do something about this? And, and then I felt enough conviction. I was like, well, I'd hate to not do it. And so I made an appointment. I called the next day the doctor's office, and they were quick to get me in in six weeks. <laughs> so uh, six weeks go by. Now I'm, I'm a little anxious, to be honest, because I'm thinking there could be an issue, and I need to get this checked out. So six weeks later, I go in there, and um, I, I share with the doctor kind of the update, and, and now I've got some different things going on in my body that are sort of weird, and, and she's perplexed again. And then I, I just say do you think it might be good to get some blood work done? And she goes, I think that would be a great idea. We should test for a number of things. And so I did that. And um, two days later, I go into my chart, check out the results, and she sends me a message going, this, this, and that, they all look good. Um, I'm like, great. Well, maybe there's nothing wrong. A week later, she calls me, and she says, Scott, you have Lyme disease. And I'm like, no joke. And uh, she said, yep, um, according to the tests, I, I think we found it pretty early. Um, and if you get on these antibiotics, hopefully there won't be any lasting repercussions. But you need to get on them today and start taking them for the next three weeks. And so I'm, I'm in that process. But here's the point. What if Ellie hadn't followed through? You know, what if I hadn't listened and gone and gotten the test? What might have happened? I don't know. But I'm glad she did reach out, and I'm, a, I'm glad that I did respond. I'm glad that I am getting, you know, the antibiotics that will hopefully keep the long-term ramifications minimized. See, God wants to strengthen and encourage and comfort his people. He does that through the power of his spirit, through his people. And we may call it a word of prophecy, which may make it a little weird and scary to some of us, but it shouldn't be. It should be something that we all desire, that we all desire to receive, to humbly give, and to also humbly receive as well when we're on the giving end of a word from somebody else. And we need to be careful because not all prophecies are from God. So we need to test them. We need to test them against, first and foremost, his word. He's not going to go against his word. Trust me on that. He will not go against his word. We need to test it really against his nature we need to test it by getting wise counsel, and we need to test it by getting confirmation from his spirit. But isn't it amazing that the God of the universe, 
cares so much for each and every one of us that he wants us to prophesy. He wants us to be messengers of words of strength, encouragement, and comfort. And he wants us to be, to be recipients of strength, of encouragement, and comfort as well. Let's seek that more and more. Let's be a people, like Paul was talking about, who seek, who seek the gift of prophecy. Not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks. Thanks for everybody um, just hanging in there with me on, on this one. We, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving in this place. We trust that. We know that. And, and I believe you've got um, some words for some people right here and right now. And I pray for the humility and, and the courage for folks to, to share those words, for others to receive them, and for them to be tested. Lord, we thank you that you want to minister to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have now where we can spend a couple minutes doing just that. We praise you, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come and dwell within every single person here, those watching online, and that you will move in power, that we wouldn't um, really treat your, your words of prophecy with contempt and disdain, but that we would embrace them and, and just be so overwhelmed by how loving and awesome you are. We ask all this in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.